Okay, people. So, part two of this week's Echo Chamber. Hey, it's going to be a fun one, people. We sit down with Atoja a bit. And, hey, he breaks down just so much that went into the making of a New York Christmas wedding. It's definitely a conversation you do not want to miss. So, people, hey, get into it right now and enjoy. Okay. Okay, so welcome to um yeah, Echo Chamber. Today we are speaking with Atoja Abi, who people you might recognize from a uh, certain film on Netflix. We spoke about it a few weeks ago, a New York Christmas wedding. Told you. Thank you for um, giving me this time, man. Welcome Thank you for having time. me, Kevin. I really enjoyed uh, Echo Chambers and how you discussed the film. So to have any opportunity to kind of continue the conversation, definitely, I'm here for that. Ah, splendid, man. Splendid. So now, how did the whole thing? This I've, I've read somewhere that you filmed the film in <laughs> something like. Was it eight weeks or something? Just crazy. oh no, we, we we filmed it in fourteen days. That's um, it, fourteen days. Yeah. <laughs> we wish like, we had eight weeks, but you know, <laughs> I, I think do a low budget film. They don't give you every day costs money, so they keep the days pretty uh to a minimum. <laughs> so with that, I'm I'm assuming every minute detail was storyboarded out and everything planned. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely an opportunity when you have people like your cast or your crew together, they know the task that's involved. It's something where anyone from the art director to the, to the actors, to the costume designer, we all are trying to um, pre-produce everything. So in, on a day of filming, like I said, there's no time to waste because that's money. So we just have to keep on going and make sure that we planned ahead of time to kind of really, the day of filming, it's almost like theater. You just kind of, you have one or two opportunities to go at it. And then from there, you have to move on. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, did anything come up? Like, any? <laughs> what, like, what were the some of the craziest hurdles that you can talk about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know, when, when you're filming a film, when you're doing a film in New York City, primarily the main hurdle is location changes. So, going from one set to another, and New York City finding uh, parking is all one thing. When you have a big crew truck, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. Another hurdle for us definitely was the idea where we had to capture some things that didn't make it into the film. So we filmed some things that didn't really make it to the film, but in the end, we still took those time and those days to kind of really experience some things. And another hurdle for us definitely may have been the weather. I know we were doing the outdoor scenes. And I think, to be honest, the hurdle itself, Kevin, is that we're shooting a Christmas film supposed to be the winter time in New York City in July. So that's a hurdle in itself when it comes to weather time. You know, we have our lead actress, Mia Fairweather, in... um, Timberland boots, a big down jacket, and it's 95 degrees outside. So that was definitely an interesting thing to kind of deal with. <laughs> yeah, I was in, um, gosh, I was in Brooklyn, was it last year? Yeah, last year. And God damn, it was hot. Yes. It was hot. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. so damn. And that was the end of June. No, the end of, yeah, end of June. And oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I say June and July are the hottest times in New York City. <laughs> mainly. And ideally, we shot our film from July 22nd to August 10th. So that there itself, we were in the 
we're in the heat wave. But, you know, like I said, everyone who did work on the film knew that we we're doing something that not even innovative, doing something that was original and and something for all of us to kind of get an opportunity to make a future film. So we all jumped on that opportunity. Yeah. So did you do anything to kind of invoke that wintry feel for people or is it just like you got into the mindset and you went kind of thing? You mean for the for the audience or for the cast? For the cast. For the cast. <clears throat> I, I I think yeah. So that's actually a good point. I definitely played a lot of Christmas music on set. Um, I definitely I definitely when we had set designs, our production designer Alex and her and her husband Zach, they knew to kind of have the realistic feel of Christmas trees around or wreaths around or the idea that everything is real. I mean, even the point of a cell, a, a handphone or a beeper that young Gabrielle used in the opening scene. That's a real thing that was used in the 1990s. So we kind of wanted to keep it very, very realistic. And it was hard, but mm. having talented people to really look for the specifics and making the world seem real really, really helps. And again, you have Christmas wardrobe. You have even with my character, David, when he has his family and they're in um, a nightgown, not, you know, the Christmas costumes or attire, uh, yeah. things like that. Yeah, things like that really helps people kind of real realize that we're making a holiday film. And then the I irony is that in the summertime, we're in front of a, a house in Middle Village with an inflatable Santa on the lawn. <laughs> and you see people walking by thinking, what is going on here? But you know, it makes sense on screen that it does when you're filming. <laughs> hey, your character, David, man, come on, yeah. you're a backbone, son. What's yeah, up with that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stand up to your mother, man. I <laughs> We all we all had those experiences where we have our parents and it's hard to kind of talk to them. It's hard to let our parents know that don't say that. I always thought that David was stuck between a rock and a hard place, but in the end, and I've learned, it's all about your spouse. It's not about it's not about your parents before that. You show your respect, but in the end, don't mm. let them be don't let don't let your spouse be disrespected. And I think more than anything, that's where David had to learn. And I think a lot of people kind of disregard the fact that. David, even though he's a nice guy, but the love story is between Gabrielle and Jennifer. So you're not supposed to root for David, more or less. You're supposed to care for him. He's not an asshole person, but no. you definitely know that, you know, the contrast of David not stepping up to his mother or defending his girl, his, his fiance, to then Gabrielle stepping up to the whole church, more or less, and defending her partner um, in Jennifer. So it, it, I wanted to show two differences where in one life, Jennifer's partner is a little bit timid of their love and in the other life their the other life gabriel's unapologetically you know oh gabriel's a lion man yeah she, yeah, yeah like, she, you know you heard a roar for real yeah yeah and it's one thing to just stand up to a parent but to have gabriel stand up to a priest and go and to who are like it's beyond it's not just like one person it's like the whole the whole uh, culture of it all and i think that was a different definitely a good contrast to show for the film we like, what was your thinking around, like, that part of the storyline? Because yeah. you want to show, a, 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 you know what I mean, a, a shift mm -hmm. in nature, culture, in thought, right? And, look, we all know the church is crazy iffy when it comes to gay, like, the Pope will be like, Oh no, I, gay people should have their rights. Oh, but I'm not marrying them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's this yeah. weird thing, yeah. right? Where, 
like, are you down for it? Are you not? But like, we didn't necessarily, because, hmm, it's hard because I don't want to give anything away. Yeah. It, let's just say the priest, like father, he had, he had some f- thoughts to make, right? Yes. Yes. But, conflicted. Conflicted. Yes. Definitely. That's it. He was, yeah, he was definitely conflicted. And yeah, about showing that kind of process, because we don't see him, because he's like, oh, I'm down with the church. Yeah. But I know you, but I'm down with, but, and we don't really see a full on apology as such. But yeah. he does, yeah. but he does step up. So yeah. did you feel like in telling that part of the story, how much were you like, oh, we should show this and we need this and bum, bum, bum? Yeah, it, it was definitely a very, very uh, personal type of experience to kind of even write that down on paper because opportunity to make a Christmas film, obviously what I knew, what I could tell in a holiday love story that I like, there's certain things that we always wanted to see. And the production company, Conglomerate Media, their producers, Corey Apton and Armando, they said, you know, you made a really good short film called Jitters. It talks about the idea of um, same-sex marriage and in the church. But if we could do something like that and have four things, New York City, Christmas, a wedding, and then a church with the same-sex couple, we could kind of fund this. So we went to studios, and studios didn't really want to back a film like this from a first-time writer-director, and we understand that. And there's a lot of things you could complain about, but conglomerate media said, we're still going to do this because right now we want to tell the story. So when I had to kind of come up with this type of idea of what's really personal about love and how people reacted to my, my short film Jitters, more people were so universally happy to see two men getting married in the church. And they felt as if to see that in a short film, you realize you don't see something, you don't see something like that often. And mm. to, see that, to see it be normalized in a way, people really appreciated seeing that for 13 minutes. And in those 13 minutes when it was over, there was a sadness that said, this, is, this isn't real, it's more about for a film, which happens. Yeah. That I kept on thinking about why is it not, why can't people see this in real life? And the reality is because the church has these certain views. So then I talked to other people and they always tell me is that I've known someone who was welcomed by the church, but she didn't feel equal because she basically was gay. And I felt that that must be heartbreaking to be turned, turned away because of the fact of who you love. And then from there, kind of explore these ideas where that was more interesting to me than a story about a girl who goes to her small hometown and she meets her her she meets her first love and they talk about buying Christmas trees and discussing eggnog. I mean, that, that's like mm. fluff stuff and I get it. And that's what Hallmark has and it's good and people love that. But for me, I was very, very interested in the idea of like, what happens when your whole life you were designed to follow this canon, this rule, and you did it well, and you know the priest is so personal, but then what happens when you love someone else and they, the priest knows that person, but yet they still say, I can't support your marriage. And I think that right there is what's interesting to me because that's an original type of storytelling that we don't see. You know, as an independent filmmaker, you can't, you could, but it's hard to create something that's gonna make noise. People have seen it already. In yeah. our film, we in our film, you haven't seen, you haven't seen this type of questioning amongst the Catholic Church or religion in itself. 
you have seen someone like a priest in modern day really struggle with the idea of, yeah, it's, it's happy, to, it's good to kind of marry people in the church and it's all fun and just ordain ministers and things like that. But what happens when someone really wants to get married by their priest who they, who they were raised by? And we explored that. And I think with having someone, and to your point about having this priest kind of be conflicted, now I really wanted to show in the church when he speaks, where you see people leave the congregation because they didn't come to church for that. They came there to kind of get their blessings or whatever, but they didn't come to have a priest kind of give his co-sign for love for same-sex people. And it was, heart, it was heartbreaking to film that and have these extras really kind of really in this movement, moving scene, have them get up and walk away because there are many people who watch the film are kind of rooting for those people, which it happens. Mm -hmm. Everyone needs to kind of voice and the consequence of what the priest is saying. And I think we explored that well. And not to give everything away, in the alternate world or in the real world, when Jennifer comes back and finds Father Kelly, we see what happens with, his con with the consequences of what yes. he did. But I kind of had to kind of really explore that and kind of show people that I'm not naive to the idea of like this all happens and everything's happy-go-lucky. That doesn't happen. There are some priests that do things that are questionable and when they do those type of things, there's a consequence for that. And I want to show that in the film at the end. I, yes, and I, I have to say, it was things like the people getting up that, like, I think made the film stand out for me, mm. right? Mm. Because at the very beginning, right, I did wonder, is this going to be like the run-of-the-mill Christmas yeah. love yeah. story? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, yeah. does that mean she's like, "Oh, I'm making eggnog"? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're yeah. like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, well, it's got yeah. platinum. But I'll watch it. You know. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, then it becomes this other thing, right? And it was even this. Look, we know, right? In the real world, even if that wedding did happen, there would be people that would get up. Hundred percent. Yeah. Look, I think what and what we're seeing right now with everything that's been going on, right? Everyone's kind of like, oh, I'm standing with you. I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I'm mean, like, yeah. oh, okay. But when we're on the front line, are you still going to be there? It's right? True. So people true. can, like, they'll sit in the, because I'm sure those people in the conversation, they'll be like, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. then when yeah. it actually happens, it's like, nah. You know what I mean? I mean and it's like, yeah. yeah. That rings. That's why, that's why I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed your uh, your review because you didn't come out and just say it's the best thing ever. You came out and said, I mean, I you you had thoughts about it and you things you liked, things were not questionable. Like why do they do that? But to your point just now, it's like there's going to be a different type of film. And you know, Netflix and other people they want to market it to people that, and some people are disappointed because they think it's a romantic comedy and it's not that. I mean, the film is something that's more introspective and ruminative, but it's also something where when you're young and everything is luckily you're in love, you're happy, you're excited, things are happening. And then when that, that knockout happens, when it's like, wow, this is reality, this is real life. And for young Jennifer to experience that and not confess her love to her best friend, that was the kind of feeling I want, which I think if, you, if people follow the story rather than like going, going for it into something, expecting things because they know the Hallmark formula, mm. they would follow our story and like it because they're like, where is this energy coming from? And then it's boom, it's down. And then people talk about the idea of like, oh my gosh, her father passed away and then she's a vet and then she's putting down a dog and it's and it's like yeah it's <laughs> shocking to see stuff like that in the first five minutes of a film but it's also people are instantly reminded that this is a real life you know this isn't just this isn't something that's just fluff just a kind of 
entertain you for 90 minutes. You know, this is something that is a personal story for some people. And I think definitely to kind of have that type of um, energy shifts. And like I said before, right away, we have to do something with an independent film that you haven't seen. And I think mm. to kind of have that type of um, wave going is something that I intended. And I also intend to do something that's original. Yeah, I, I definitely think it rings true. Because you've got those moments, you know, I kind of, look, if you want that, that cookie cutter formula, yeah. there are yeah. plenty of films. 100%, 100%. Like, and I'm not saying they're bad films. Oh, they're great. They're great. There's films I, I really enjoy, but they don't I enjoy that the, formula. I, <laughs> I enjoy those films too. I enjoy those films too, and I grew up watching them with my mother, but... And when I see your point, when you have an opportunity to create something, I had an opportunity to make something that's my own. I don't know that lifestyle that's out in California and, you know, we're picking the best, tr we're picking the best tree and, you know, we have a big five-story home. And mm. I don't have, I don't come from that lifestyle. I come from New York City and I come from things where I know people who hate, who hate holidays because of the fact of loss they dealt with. And I know for a fact to kind of explore those type of situations, see something different. Again, like I said, has to be something different that we haven't seen before. And to explore yes. that in a way that's more grounded, a lot of people are relating to our film amongst others because they really are seeing themselves in the storytelling and all seeing themselves in the characters. You know, we have diverse, we're the only film out there that deals with this type of topic or same-sex type of relationships with a diverse cast. And that shouldn't happen in 2020, but it is, you know? Mm -hmm. So again, studios wouldn't back us because of whatever might be the case, but in the end, we didn't wait for studios to give us the okay to say, okay, now you could tell your diverse story. We said, no, we're making it now. And because of that, because of its originality, we're on Netflix and we're out there for everyone to see. That is the, that's the big, I'm just gonna say a couple of things because I had two faults. They're completely different, but I don't yeah. wanna forget them. Because okay. I think one big, one big thing that makes it different is the pushback from um, Gabrielle. Yes. Right, so in a normal film, Right, and a normal film, as they like the normal template of a film like this, you'll have like the one person be like, Oh, but I love you, and you push me away, and they'll be like, yeah. yeah, I'm really sorry, I'll never do that again. Gabriel's like, yeah. Hold on, <laughs> hold the fuck on, yeah, you yeah. took your shit, right? Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. yeah, and it's just like, Oh, okay, yeah, this yeah. is a real conversation now, yeah. and yeah. I'm busy, you watch things, and you're just like, because I understand, look, films and, you know, books and TV and all of this kind of thing, there is an escapism in it, right? Yes, 100%. And yep. we watch it for that. We don't yep. necessarily want to see people go through exactly the same struggles as us. But yep. sometimes you want to see similarities to that. Yep. But I think one of the big things is, you know, a lot of people go, oh, I, you know, I liked watching Black Panther because I saw people like me on the screen. And I think mm -hmm. that's one part of it. But I think a part of watching something that resonates to you is the language that's used, right? Yes. It's seeing a conversation happen that you're like, I've had those conversations or I've been in that situation. I've said that thing or I wanted to yeah. say just that. Yeah. But yeah. in yeah. Hollywood, it's just always, I wanted to tell you, no, I saw you across the room and <laughs> I loved you from the minute. I loved you too. Oh there we God, go. That's so there you go. You know what I mean? And it's just like, yeah. oh, this never happened. 
It's never yeah, happened. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. Like, oh, in my head, like yeah. that's how exactly every conversation starts. Be like, hey, baby. But what yeah, happens? Yeah. Like, Hi, uh, so, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, do you wanna? Uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's just yeah, awkward yeah, and weird, yeah. and it's just you know what I mean. So it that was a big part. I mean, that was a big part of this. That when you got into the nitty gritty of things, it felt real. Yes. And, and yeah. that, I was like, all right, cool. I'm liking yeah. this. You yeah. know what I mean? That was yeah, that moment where you're just like, oh, it's not going to be like just the average Christmassy film. And I yeah, like Yeah, at that point in time, you either decide, do I continue, continue to follow the story or do I go back and try to find something that makes me feel comfortable. And not saying our film makes people feel uncomfortable, but our film is showing a story that if you have an open mind to it, then you would definitely enjoy it because you're seeing something that, not that you haven't seen before, but you're seeing something that you know there's a base of reality or a personal story there. You know there's something personal there rather than something that's concocted for you to enjoy and say, oh, that was great, and then walk away. You know, there are some people, I always, went, I always wrote the film with, the, with, the, with its intention that, if some, you know, yeah, we know it's an emotional film and mainly there's a female audience, but if a wife is watching a film with her husband and her, her husband got in trouble the other day for staying out too late and hanging out with the boys, you know, who knows? <laughs> and then if the wife is saying, you're going to sit down with me and watch my, my Christmas film with me, and the husband's like, oh, whatever. He starts watching it for the first five minutes. I always thought that that, that husband would kind of like start perking up and like 15 minutes in and then 20 minutes in and then at the end of the film he'll be an emotional person too because I always feel as if you know there's some people who may not be a Christmas type of holiday film person but our film is, a, is more of a love story and once they see our film they'll be they'll be surprised to kind of see the normalization of the wedding and almost mm -hmm. the normalization of the idea of the storytelling because it's still a movie it's still a story this more than anything will be like to your point we, we go to it for escapism escapism but more than anything, we want to see a story and a true story evolve. And I think something like this film for people to watch and to take in and to really experience. And a lot of people get emotional too, which I'm really, really um, thrilled that people are responding in a way that's really personal. So to have those type of experiences from just a story that we created is something that could never be more excited and thrilled about. Oh, for like, I hate Christmas, man. <laughs> I hate Christmas. Yeah. Like everyone knows, yeah, I hate it. it, it why, do you, why do you hate Christmas? It's like a family holiday, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it's yeah. just like, so, like, I was adopted, right? Okay. And it's just, I guess, like, you never really feel like you're a part of something. So mm -hmm. then when you see, like, oh, everyone's like, yeah, family's here, yeah, family's yeah. here. It's just like, yeah. all right. <laughs> cool, cool. You know what I mean? So it's just like yeah. it just always feels it just always feels weird. Yeah. But but, yeah, but that's why it's interesting. Even though the weird feeling and people, you know, and you're surrounded by Christmas all the time because with in America we kind of promote Christmas like it's no other thing. It's you know, too and, early. It's yeah. Too I, I remember going to my friends and um the first time I came to New York and we went over he lived in Long Island and we went over and there was a Christmas shop. Mm. And th this was, man, when was this? I think it was June or so. It was early on in the year. And we was like, what? what? I don't understand. Why is this here? Yeah. It's like, this is insane. Like, yeah. like a yeah. Halloween shop as well. And I was like, you, this shouldn't be allowed. Like, exactly. <laughs> this is way too much. Exactly. 
<laughs> That's how it happens sometimes, right? Yeah. But yeah, I think the what it didn't like the Christmas element of the film wasn't the thing that kind of jumped at me. It was more the relationship to what was going on. And god damn, there was some conversations at the end that um yeah, I was like, oh, there's something in my eye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, it, um, yeah. It's it's uh, and that, that's the hard part about having this film not playing in theaters, or even we have we went to a lot of film festivals in the summertime, the virtual mm. film festivals, but not being in a theater, having people respond to it because I want to be in a room when that ending happens and how and hear what's happening in that room, the energy there. I would love to kind of experience what that is, and right now all I have is definitely like social media. And you have people on social media who want to be comedians rather than honest and heartfelt. So it's really <laughs> good to hear from people like yourself to express how, you know, being caught up by some things in certain parts because you write something. And, and, you know, I wrote something knowing that I was writing it for myself, but also writing it for the idea of what, what I would love to see for a Christmas holiday film. Mm. And with that said, the more specific I became in the writing, the more universal it was. So to have, so when I writing that scene at the ending we talking about, I remember writing this, I'm thinking, I would love to see this. And I know, I know this is so emotional, but I would love to see this play out because this is like perfect, you know? So yeah. <laughs> kind of write that, then film that, and then have the same type of experience people experience, have the same type of um, result that people experience is a win-win. Have you thought of doing drive-ins? Well, you know, it's a... Uh, I think that's a good opportunity, but I also think right now because of COVID and what's happening, it's just, it's just a hard, mm. it's a hard, it's a hard thing to experience to get people to kind of, because obviously you'll get people that you know to come out and support, but like I said, people, people have been watching this film from our community since um, June, you know, since we had, we had the American Black Film Festival, we had Martin's Vineyard African American Film Festival, we had New York Latino Film Festival, you know, a lot of places like this. It would be great to have that experience, but I think this yeah. film, and I truly believe in, and I'll, and I'll knock on wood, I think this film is going to last for a couple of years. So in the end, I think people, well, I'll have that theater experience in the future, and I look forward to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think this, look, the story is strong enough for it to be one of those staples. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like every year you'd be like, ah, let's, let's throw in that, yeah. that wedding film. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> right, right yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that, that's a, that'll be a, I'll be amazing because in the end it's like, it's, um, and I, I think more than anything, what people are liking about it is that it's original. And I think there'll be many, many, many more films like ours to come because they know that it could work and they'll have more funding and more mm. power to them. But people definitely see with this film the heart that's put into it. And I think that can't be replicated and that la that's what lasts. Yeah, so let's get to that, right? So what, what happened, right? So you go to the studios and they're like, we can't, we can't sell this, man. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, we can't, like, yeah. We'd love to yeah. work with you, but not on this. Yeah. What what was the, what was the next step? Because that's gonna be crushing, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's crushing, but it's also, as an actor myself, I've been on, did great auditions and I played sports before that. So I'm open to criticism, I'm open to feedback and I'm, I'm not, and I'm open to working hard. So mm. I, was never, I was never debilitated by the idea of not being able to get a studio behind it. I knew it would be easier in the sense of 
having more money for a budget, having more money uh, for the money for the budget will be helpful. But in the end, it's like it's my first film. If I'm gonna write this, I'm gonna write it with the intention that I know good actors, I know locations, I know how I want to tell the story. Then let's do it ourselves. And luckily, the production company Conglomerate Media they invested in me. They took a risk. They put some. They put the money down. We had our producer put more money down, and my production company, Wilford Productions, we put money down as well. So we all, it took a village to kind of say, we're telling something that's unique, it's original, and we're not gonna wait for someone else to, someone else to tell the story, we're gonna do it now. And that's, that's basically what I think a lot of filmmakers need to kind of experience and kind of really realize is that you write something or you wanna direct something, but you'll do it if people give you money, but are you really gonna back yourself and really, really invest in yourself knowing that this is what I wanna do and I'm, I'm going to put my money in the line here because I want to do this. And I, I truly believe in it. There's one thing to write something, give it to someone, a, a student says no, and then you go write something else. And that's fine. It's great. But when I write something, it's very personal to me that I want to, I want to see it get through and done. You know, this is my second film. My first was a short jitters. But everything I write, I want to write it to get produced and to get to people as an audience, not just write it so then... It can sit on a shelf or I show my friends, hey, Kevin, look what I wrote the other day. I, I, don't, I don't care about that. I want to produce things. I want to get things done, get things made. Yeah, I think that's, that's a big thing, right? Because I, I've gone to, you know, when you go to these talks, right? And yeah. so then they open out to questions at the end. And people, ah, I, the Q&As baffle me. Because people <laughs> ask the same goddamn yeah. questions all the time. And it's yep. always, hey, so... How do we get, you know, a big publisher to publish my book or a big studio to make my yeah. film? And it's yeah. just like, why is that your end goal? Yes, yeah, like that, that's yeah. the thing that always baffles me. It's like, why yeah. is that the? And I, I've been to a, a few comic conventions, right? And everyone's just like, how do we get our books published by Marvel? How do we? And it's just like, I'm yeah, because it's all, they start off with like, I'm a first-time writer. And yeah. I wanted to know, how do I get my, and it's just like, why are they going to do your shit? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. the thing. It's just like, why are they going to do your, because if you think your stuff is that good, yeah. go make it. Go yeah, make some stories, put yeah. them out yourself. Then you yeah. can take the finished thing. You can yep. take some finished books to them and be like, hey, I did these. I'd yep. love to tell a, you know, a daredevil story, but hey, if not, I've got my own thing, so I'm good. But yeah. maybe you yeah. want to get in business with me, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's the thing. It's just like, people want to get their stuff made by someone, mm -hmm. but don't want to put the money in and do it themselves a lot of the time. And yeah. I will say, partly that's for like stuff that we see, right? I remember yeah. when Hustle and Flow came out, Mm -hmm. And everyone's like, oh, it's amazing, it's amazing. And I like the film. Look, I like the film, the performances were good. The one thing that really stuck out to me is when my man went, was in the toilets and he was like, oh, Luda, Luda, here's my track. And he's just like, <laughs> nah. And he's just like, what? And then he throws a tantrum. He's just like, uh, uh, how am I meant to go on? How am I meant to do this? And I was like, yeah. well, put it out yourself. Exactly. Right? Put it. And we, like, we didn't see a lot of that. And then, like, there's a lot of things. I watched something the other day about a writer and she got turned down. And then it was just like, ah, it's over, it's over. And it's just like, well, 
self-publish. Like, there's so many tools yeah. now to, like, put it out on Kindle through Amazon. Like, just there's so many routes to doing that. So yeah, it's just, then, like, yeah. what yeah. was... Like, what was it for you that, like, so the studio tells you on Monday, we're not going to mess with you. Yeah. What then happens? And then you just realize that we can't pre-sell the film, meaning that there's no guarantee this film will make any money. We, we know for a fact you can make it, but the money that we put into it, there's no guarantee we're playing with house money now. You know what I mean? There's, yeah. no, there's no guarantee that, you know, here's a pile of money, make the film with this. It wasn't that. It's like, if this film doesn't make any money, then we all took losses. And, you know, early in my career, the loss could be had, but I think, and, I'm, and I stand by this as a black filmmaker, a black creator, a black artist, we don't have the luxury to get a lot of, have a lot of losses in our careers early on, mm. you know? We have the opportunity, we have, we have to take advantage of them right away because we don't, we don't get a lot of opportunities to say, okay, that was, that was, you were young back then, but three years later, here's more money. That happens to a lot of people, but not us. And yeah. I think as a black filmmaker to kind of know that, to my point before, I'm writing something, creating things that are not to be put in a shelf and say, congratulate me because I, 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 I was home for three weeks and I wrote a script. I don't need that type of congratulations. My congratulations is when we make something, you see it, you say, here is content that you created. That's what I feel, feel something to congratulate. And more than anything, to have something you could create knowing that you ask for permission or you, you want, hope people could help fund it and they say, no, you still do it. That's what I think Hollywood's looking at because they, they know we have a low budget film. They're not surprised by that. They, they understand the idea of to shoot something in 14 days, to have a location as a church. They understand, they understand all of that, but they do see that you did it mm. and they know that if they give you more money and more people are around you to, to support you at a high level that they could definitely see that there's art and talent there. So I think more than anything, that was a hard part for me because I knew to get the film done is something that will be difficult because it's low budget. But I also knew that, like I said before, as an athlete, someone who does, who does like the mental marathon training, I know for a fact that once we get this done, no one can take away what we created. You know, we had a first time, we had a first time feature editor, we had a first time cinematographer. We had people who did work on smaller stages, but to do something for 14 days straight, that's a marathon and we did it, you know, we did it. And we all, we all could say that we did it together. And I think more than anything, that's what I'm proud about most. Mm. And how did you select those people? Well, like, yeah, so yeah, because of, because of Jitters, we established our team and Jitters was done in three days, uh, 13 pages, filmed in a church. So I went to keep my, that's the team that I knew. That was my first film. I knew that team. We, we filmed that in 2017, went to festivals 2018. So I knew that team. And I, and I always kind of wanted to reward people that worked, worked with me early on because mm. at that time I was the first time short filmmaker but they stood by me. So I knew for the first time we're making a, a feature film and I know that the money's low. So it's not about getting people on board for a payday. It's about getting people on board that will really take advantage of the idea that I have an opportunity to make a feature film. And I think to have my team that grew from Jitters to, to um, a near Christmas wedding, I've been honored. You know, my, our, our composer, Alexander Artson, he composed Jitters, he composed our film. Our producer editor with Wilful Productions, Ian Phillips, he produced Jitters, he produced this film and edited this film. A cinematographer, Ethan Madoff, who is a phenomenal cinematographer with Jitters, and in this film, he's phenomenal too. But it's funny because he made this film and then, and then literally two weeks, a week later, he went to, he got into the master's program at AFI for cinematography. So he finished his film and then went right in to get his master's as a cinematographer, which it's, it's, it's ironic that 
once he gets out of school, he already have a, f a feature film made, but yeah. then he'll be a totally different cinematographer now moving forward because now he has the skill of the arts of a master's program. But what's good about AFI, they still saw the fact that he still created something. That's the whole thing. Mm. He didn't wait to get a master's to say, now I can make a film. It wasn't about yeah. that. He made a film because he had the opportunity. I think having people like that around you and people that are great for opportunities, that's how we continue to grow together. Well, when you listen to some people talk, it's like, um, I, I went to this thing um, and it was about Richard Linklater and he's talking yeah. about making films and stuff like that. And it's just like, you learn so much on the job. Yes. Right. Yeah. To actually making stuff. Like there's right. a, a comedian, Zach Amico, who works yeah. with trauma films. And he, he said the same thing. Like, when you're making, right, that's putting the knowledge into effect. And so, yes. and it's like, I remember when I did my degree, um, I, I did marketing, right? And mm -hmm. they, they're teaching you stuff. They're like, it was bizarre. Because they'd be like, you'll never do it like this in a workplace, but this is how we're going to teach it. And it's just like, yeah. Why, yeah. why show it to me? Like, what's the point then? Like, yeah. like, this yeah. makes no sense. Like, yeah. why show me it like this when I'm never going to do it like this? Yeah. And it was it's weird. Curriculum. It's a curriculum. And also what happens is that everything's evolving and changing because of the, uh, the um, um, internet world and because of digital. So it's all different now. And the only way to, to, only way to kind of really understand the differences is if you go out and do it. There's a lot of people who they go to class, they learn. The classes are preparing you to, so when you go out and do it, you do it at a certain level, which is totally yeah. fine and great. But then also, some people graduate from these prestigious programs and never get opportunities. So they have money, wait, money, money gone from the investment in their career, but they don't know how to go out there and make something because they've been, caught, they've been coddled by, not institutions itself, but they've been coddled by the idea that, you know, someone's gonna always have a camera for you. Someone's always gonna have a crew for you ready to go. That doesn't happen. It may happen with connections, hopefully, but in the end, in this world, in this business, you have to go out there and make it on your own. And that's what people, people yeah. who go out there and do it, they know that. Again, a studio says no to me, or says no to us. It's, it sucks, it's hard, but it's like, whatever, we're gonna fucking create our own, our own because that's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the kind of cards we've been dealt with our whole careers, basically. You know, mm -hmm. people aren't gonna say, oh, you, you wrote a short film, here's all this money for you to, be, to create something because you wrote a short film, good job, Kevin. No one's gonna ever do that, let's be honest. You know, so you have to go out there and make things and create things on your own and learn as you go, unfortunately. But it's one thing to kind of, and I think my, my producer Ian was saying is that you can't, my first short film jitters about a marriage and whatever, he was saying that you don't really see a film like that in someone's first film because there's a maturity to that. You know, to kind of come, you make your first film, you make something that's all funny, that's giggly, you and your friends talking about whatever, dates and this and that, things that are kind of like amusing because that's your sophomore type of humor. But to have a first short film to be like introspective and think about the idea of like a man showing his thoughts about marriage and commitment and being emotional, you don't see that. And I think that's what, as a black man at that too, I think that's what caught people's eyes about me as a storyteller, they're seeing that you're telling stories that are very personal, but you're telling stories that we don't really see. And going back to what I'll keep on saying what we said before, Kevin, it's like, we have to do things that you don't see at, the, at, you don't see at a higher level and tell them at a lower level because that's our way into originality. Mm. 
Well, yeah, no, that's the big thing, right? Because I remember when I was writing my dissertation mm-hmm. and I, so I knew I had to do a dissertation, right? I hadn't started a course yet, but I knew this was the end result. And this is the thing I had to build to do. And so I was talking to a few people like, yo, so what did you write yours on? And what did you do? And so people were saying, and this was the thing, they'd be like, yo, so pick topics that are like big, right? So we did it on like bog off, buy one, get one free offers or budget airlines and boom, boom, boom. And they're like, yeah, these are topics you can, there's so much info on, you can write about and boom, boom, boom. And I was like, I'm not doing that, <laughs> right? Because how's my shit gonna stand out? If I write something that is exactly like everyone else, I'm right. not getting judged on my writing. I'm getting right. judged on the last version of this that they read. Correct. So they might have read a really rubbish one, which means mine might then get a high mark, or they've yeah. read the best version that's ever going to get written, and mine isn't as good. And they're like, ah, this is only this. When if it's judged on its own merits, yep. they see that mine is really good. So I yep. was just like, I need a subject that no one's touching. So I went and found something, and I yeah, I did it. Well, I did mine on the relationship between comic book movies and comic books and if they work as a promotional tool for each other because that was it was just like when i think x-men 2 had just come out and it was just like all right this is a fresh something and um yeah it's it's about trying to do something that's different not just what everyone else is doing because yeah yeah and i'm standing out yeah, and I think the more people really try to kind of keep that with its intention, the more uh, it's a challenge, but the more rewarding it would be once you tell something that people haven't seen before. Mm. You know, because in the end, we've, we've been telling stories as a civilization for centuries, you know, and, and I think that's why more than anything, a, a short story is always great because they've been telling these since the cavemen times, you know, so to have a story be prolonged for 90 minutes or two hours, it's not a normal thing, but we, we, we've made it a normal thing because of the different type of formula we know into creating a narrative type of film. But with that said, how do you create a narrative film that we've all know the story, the love story, we know the holiday story, we talked about it in this whole conversation, the different ways people are expecting this, expecting that. So how do you make something that's not, that's unexpected, but yet still original? And I think that's where you get different type of filmmakers and creators. You know, you have different type of stories from black filmmakers. You have different type of stories with different type of genders or different type of uh, same-sex type of love couples or the struggles that they go through rather than the struggles that everyone else goes through. Try to find the different type of specifics. So yes, in our film, we have the religious component, but the religious component is just, as we said, to start off, it's just another fight. You know, mm. take away the take away the Catholic Church and put David's mother there. It's still the same fight. Someone's fighting for something that's beyond them, and I think that's that's what we're trying to highlight in this film. Yeah, and like when I've seen the film talked about, right? It's usually there's usually the word gay or queer yeah. at the start. Yeah. Now, what like what? How do you want this to be talked about, right? Because well, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I know it's, I know it's like, yeah, it's like a relationship yeah. film. I'm just, yeah. you know what I mean? If I'm talking about the film, I'd be like, yo, there's a good relationship film, right? Because it's just, it doesn't really make any difference for me yeah. if it's 
you know, a guy and a girl, two girls, two guys. Because at the core of it, it's about a relationship. It's about that love. Yeah. So that's the driving thing. But yeah, for you, uh, like, how do you want it to be pushed? How do you want it to be promoted and talked about? Yeah, for me, I want the film to be promoted as a love story, basically. It's, it's, It's something, it's hard to kind of say that. And then you have people who've never seen a type of same-sex relationship into a type of, type of story, and they they are taken aback by the fact that this is what this film's about, and then because of that, they immediately dislike the film, you know? But that's on them. It's not, our film is still the same thing. It's a love story. It's a love story that's universal, where if you're a guy, if you're a girl, if you're someone who just really understands the idea of love, which we all do as human beings, then you would like this film. But the problem is that people are trying to label the film a certain thing so they can present to say, here, Kevin, this is what this film is supposed to be. So you have your idea of what the film's about, which is great. But in the end, when you do that, you know, a romantic comedy, this film is not a romantic comedy. It's not that. And I know people are kind of surprised by that because every Christmas film with the New York, <laughs> the New York and Christmas in it should be a romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah, there's comedic aspects to it. But it's not a romantic comedy. This film is not... Yeah, it has a dramatic aspects to it as well. But this film is a love story. And love stories, and I think someone was talking about it the other day on social media, and I see everything. They were saying how, you know, this film, it goes, you know, this film goes through this, these, these same type of story types of, you know, someone, why, why does everyone, they said, why does everyone have to be so mean to each other and then fall back in love? I hate seeing that. And then someone responded, lovely too they said well that's what love stories are about you know you, you go to your bottoms and then you rise up above from that and see that love love really conquers all mm. so yeah so, i mean i want people to see this film as a love story and and hopefully people and i think that the the advancement of you know the lgbt lgbtq type of story stories to be told or if you want to say gay stories to be told is that we're not labeled them gay stories because the more you yes. do that the more you're separating them from the universal story of like um, you know, like X-Men or like anything else. It's like, these are just stories. So the yeah. more you want to label it as a gay story, the more you're kind of marginalizing a category and a whole narrative type of community because in the end, they've seen so many great stories telling about fighting for equal rights, fighting for, fight, fighting for different type of things within a community. Our film can never have a parade like Stonewall and march or a riot scene. We can't do that. But what can we? What can we? What can we tell? Is a love story about someone that's opposing, opposing their love, and they're fighting for that. And we could tell that in a very independent way. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a funny thing, right? Because I remember when um, Batwoman, right? Yeah, the, the CW show, and yeah. they, they keep on talking about you know when they first hired um, Ruby, Ruby Rose. Rose. Yep, yep. It yep. was just like. It's a gay, it's a gay lead. We've got yeah. a gay lead. And then, then you'd hear people go, um, well, you know, it's not just about that. I'm like, but you made it that. Yeah, that's you true. You made yep. it that yep. with saying it's a gay lead as your first sentence in the frigging press release, yeah. right? You, yeah. That's the narrative that you decided to push. It wasn't, we're telling this great story, we're bringing Batwoman to the screen and blah, 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 blah. Oh, um, yeah, she's, yeah, yeah, she, she's going to have relationships in the film. She's in love with uh, Lucy. You know, yeah. you're not going, yeah, she's gay. You're just like, yeah, no, she's mad. She's in love with Lucy. And, and yeah, and then she's fighting crime. It's just a, you're like, it's just a part of it. You're not going, this is the driving force of this. But yeah. that's what a lot of people 
do. And as you said, look, by doing that, you've created this category. Like you yeah. go onto websites and it's got like, um, you know, superhero films, action films, romance films, gay films. And it's just like, wait, but th in that section, you've got the same film. Like, yeah. Yeah. why yeah. are they yeah. in the same, when there's loves, there's comedies here, there's love stories. Yeah. Why is yeah. that yeah. in a separate, and how are people going to stumble upon them if you mm -hmm. push them down into that? It, it's, it's a weird thing. It's like you used to see it with black films. Yep. They used to kind of separate it. And it's just like, no, it's all a much of a muchness. Like, which, 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 in, in a separation, you would think it makes it easier for the black community to see, okay, we want to look for films that are all black or like black content, more or less. And that's good. But then what happens when you have someone who's open to look at black content in Australia, but they have to kind of go through like a black type, they have to kind of like make the commitment to say, I want to watch a black story. It's yes. like, no, I just want to watch the story. So if I'm seeing in Australia, my, my normal Kui, and I watch, um, I watch uh, Knocked Up, and then all of a sudden I see Malcolm X, it's like, it's all the same type of filming. It's like, I'm just, I'm just experiencing something rather than looking for a specific type of film. And it's good to have the genres. I'm not saying that's against the culture, it's also good to kind of have some people who I think the future is, we just want to see films. Yes. Yeah. No, genres, you can have genres. You can put that tag in, yeah. right? So, it, you know, the geotag and all of that kind of thing, but mm -hmm. mix it. Mix yeah. it and don't make the genres the, the, the driving force of Correct. Your, your push, your talk on the, on the product. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the feedback to the film has been good so far. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, the majority is good. You, you have the people that want to be comedians, you know. <laughs> you have those people that want to say things to kind of shock people. Um, and, you know, that's expected. But the most part, I'm, I've, been, I've been very surprised how the amount of emails I'm getting and messages I'm getting where people are really touched by the film. And I'm surprised by that because... Again, I wrote a personal story, but I wrote something that I, I hope people would see outside my friends and family. But to have people see it and then respond back in a way where they're finally happy to see themselves in a film means a lot. They're finally happy to see these topics that are very important to them be, just, be discussed in a film. That means a lot. And they're finally happy to see a type of different type of film where you're seeing, you know, an affluent black woman played by my mother, Tyra Farrell, and have her be unapologet unapologetically great rather than being someone who's meager because of her skin color you know mm. to see things like that's a very very different thing and i think a lot of people who are watching this film and when you're first at things people kind of don't know how to take it you know they're kind of surprised by it by it they're kind of taken aback they don't know what to feel and i think that goes into how they feel like they need to express themselves for the next person rather than just taking the film in for yourself to see what it does to you i think a lot of people that take the film in and then they write to me they're really they're really like amazed by the idea that this film, yes, it had its moments of like sappiness, which you, people want to say that, sure. But they do reflect at the end of the film, realizing now I'm looking back in my life, I wish I had that opportunity. Or I wish there's someone out there who I loved. I wish I could go, I wish there was an opportunity I could go back and tell them how I really felt. And I had someone write to me saying that if they saw this film on Netflix at the age of 11 years ago, their life would have been completely different. Because seeing a film like this is a conversation to have. But it's also seen a film like this, we're normalizing this whole love story. And there should have been more of this happening decades ago, but it, it hasn't because people 
studios aren't seeing the way to fund this. But in the end, there's people out there that want to see these stories. So I think to have people say things like that, I'm like, wow, this really means a lot because, you know, I grew up watching a lot of films, a lot, a lot of films that were Hollywood based that didn't have black leads in it, but I had to see myself as the black lead, but see they're going through different things and kind of put myself in that type of headspace. But why yeah. do all that work? I mean, just see a normal story that I see myself in it and I could just go buy that or not. Mm. Yeah. What do you think needs to change for like studios just to be like, yeah, good idea. We'll make it. I, I, I just think studios need to kind of realize that, you know, as content creators from the black diaspora, you know, we, we, we definitely, we have, we have a voice. We have a voice. Like I, myself, you know, my parents are Nigerian and I grew up in a Nigerian household, born in New York City, but when I went out to the world, I'm around American kids, I'm around America. So I come back home to the African culture and I'm out in the world in American culture. And that right there shows my different types of um, uniqueness as a human being and my point of view to life because I'm experiencing so many different things. But when I go out there represent and present myself, I am me, which is very, very different than anything else that people are creating out there in that Hollywood um, type of spectrum. So when you have someone like myself who's kind of create a story that's a universal story, because I know that, that's something that shouldn't be rewarded because, yeah, I'm an African-American, but I should be able to kind of get that type of recognition saying that, okay, your stories may be interesting because we haven't seen someone with your type of upbringing who played sports at a high level. You know, you, these are all different things that in fact infuse a lifestyle. And if you're that lifestyle, you have a different types of point of view and opinion about things. I think things like that need to be celebrated rather than given the gauntlet to go through to prove that if you really want to be in this business or not, which a lot of people do who are black creators, they have to kind of prove that they want it badly and not get stumbled upon it, you know, and that's mm. fine. We'll do the work. But I just feel as if it's like, you know, I made a short film that's very, that, that's, that's done well. I made my first feature film that went to Netflix. And grant, granted, we have Netflix, that's a great thing. But if we didn't have that, I'm still another person trying to create it, trying to make things happen. But having Netflix really lets people know that there's talent here and either you pay attention now or you'll keep on seeing me because I'll keep on knocking down doors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for real. Have you thought about the next project? Yeah, yeah. You know, right now, Wolf of Productions, my production company, we're going to market with our slate. We have another feature film that, I mean, I wrote a feature film before both these films, but again, no one would give a first-time filmmaker money, so <laughs> I had to kind of like, put that to the back burner, but now I'm ready to go back to market with that. We have a, a, a TV series that we want to pitch. Um, we have a web series we're doing. And also we, a lot of the music in the film is original music. So we're putting together an EPK of, the, of some music from the film with a talented singer, singer artist named Kelsey Madsen, who did the last, the end credit song, I Heard the Bells of Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, yeah, people are so loved with her performance of this song and mm. we're putting that together because we think in the end, Music, as original as it was in our film, we want to make sure that people know that, you know, we're, we're creating this and we have an outlet for more type of opportunities. So I'm just going to keep on creating. You know, I hope this helps me get an agent. I hope that happens. And I hope from there I'm able to keep continue working and getting better. Because I just want to keep on growing, getting better, and keep on doing the work. That's great, man. But Thank it's you like, know. you know what I mean? Even without the agent, you're still yeah. grinding. <laughs> Yeah, you have, and, you have and that I think that's the big thing, right? There's people yeah. think, oh, I'll be able to do this once I've got this, and I'll be able yeah. to do that once I get that. But it's yeah. just like, just do it. Right? Just do it, and you can correct and alter and change and evolve the product as you go 
and you know you get more money and think you get more recognition and things other things come to you yeah that that's what someone said where they mentioned that i think it was autostraddle and they said how they experienced the film they enjoyed the film and what's what's happening now is some people are watching the film with the intention of this being like a million dollar like a, a 10 million dollar film from netflix which it isn't and it wasn't ever advertised that way but the hard part is, is like you're, you're watching someone's first film and it got on netflix because of the talent there but also you watch something and that's in its strong message and its originality it's on netflix because there's nothing else like it so you mm. can't compare our film to a 50 million a 50 million dollar budget film from sony you can't do that you know you could do that and then you'll just be someone who's a jerk because you don't understand what it takes to it, produce a film. But but I will say, right, it doesn't look cheap. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you don't watch the film and go, ah, oh, yeah, that's a that's yeah. a low budget film. Yeah. Right? There's you know, I watched um oh gosh, something at the Mongolia. Oh midnight 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 at Magnolia yes. Midnight at Magnolia. Yes. Yes, yes. I, I watched that. Um, the other week, and I watched like Holiday. Yep, yep. Um, and like your film doesn't look less than those. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it's just yeah. like I think you could the the way I compare a film is on the storytelling. You yeah. know, the, the performances, right? Because yeah. they're the things that because you I've watched huge films. Right, that you watch it and go, I don't believe in that character. Mm -hmm. I, I don't mm -hmm. believe in that relationship. They're yep. meant to be in love. I yeah. didn't buy that. Right, yeah, yeah. but yeah, in yours, I believed in Gabriel and Jenny. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, yeah. but I even believed in you and Jenny. <laughs> Right, yeah. you were just a bit too wet behind the ears to keep them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so funny. It's so funny, but so true, yeah. Because I, I think more than anything, when you have an independent story, you know, it's it's about believing in it and not being distracted by the glitz and the holiday. I saw the film; I was happy to see the film. It was the first holiday film to kind of kick off this whole season, and you know, they had these big party scenes. They had obviously they transferred from you know different holidays like St. Patrick's Day, Valentine's Day, whatever. But you could see in holiday and holiday that they they've added money to something so it can pop more on screen. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that when you can do that and you have the money. But you have a film like ours, it's all about the story. And story yeah. means everything. If the story, you believe the story, it doesn't matter if we're holding a camcorder or we're holding um, an Ari Alexa, you're following the story because that's, 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 that is what's most important. Definitely, definitely. So like, there must be lessons, right? That you, yeah. well, lessons is probably the wrong word but things that you've learned from this process that you can take to the next, like things like, ah, oh, maybe I need more days to plan that out or yeah, yeah, that yeah. like, what are your takeaways kind of thing from this process? Yeah. From the process, I would think the, to definitely, even though you are behind a low budget and a crunch for time to really, to really, know that what your intention was there should be no shortcuts and i say that because when filming we knew we had x amount of time and every minute that went past we we're like ah oh, man we need to get this shot I need to get that shot and if you know something's very very important really really stick by it because there's some things i watch in the film now where 
I mean, it's a good example. Oh, the example of when uh, Jennifer and Azrael they meet for the first time, and then meet for the second time, and then they're in the alleyway, and then mm. he transports her back to um, transports her back to uh, her home where my character Dave is there with his new family, and we have my dog who's in it, Willa, the black dog, and and her her friend Winston. We have these two dogs in there, but my we had a scene where Jennifer's at the door. And then Azriel sitting is sitting down petting the dogs on the side where so basically she's talking to David and his family. She looks to the side and and Azriel's just there petting dogs. And we had the written down, we kind of filmed it, but we couldn't have we, we had the the animals were kind of be misbehaving that day. So it was hard to really do. But I just realized then and there where when I watch the film now, it's like those are the little meet cute moments that I wrote that we didn't have time to kind of like really film because we don't have that time. But in the end, I know the intention in the writing was there for a reason. We have to kind of really get to that. So I think things like that. And I also know that I can't, you know, I, I won't write, direct, produce, and act another film all in one because it's a lot. But I also <laughs> know that, you know, it's uh, when you have an independent film, you, you have people that want to be there. And me as a writer, director, producer, actor, I'm there on set all the time. So whenever you need to answer, I'm here. Like, how did you, like, yeah, how was that done? Like, what was the constraints of, you know, being like a yeah. big player in some of the scenes to, yeah, writing yeah. it and going, oh, no, you've differed from the script or, ah, let's change it. Like, yeah, what was the... Uh, yeah, as a writer, you know, you spend time writing, developing a story. And luckily, our producer partner, Corey Apton, she helped with the story. And we sat down and went through, you know, went through weeks of like edits for the script and it, it worked the writing part was very, very fun and exciting. It was my first time writing and having someone really take it seriously that what, what we are saying with notes. So that was really great. But then producing aspect of it, it was difficult because you have, it's not that, because you want to just get to the point of being on set, but producing things, getting permits. You know, we had our amazing producing team with, from Milford Production and Conglomerate. And we had other people who just want to help. But when there's not a lot of money involved, you feel bad asking for people to go over and beyond because they're not getting paid a certain way. So yeah. then you then you think you're, I I thought well I'll do it because in the end I know I'll get it done and I won't I won't like you know I won't I won't think twice about getting something done because I know it has to be done for the film. So it all landed back on like a lot of our producers but in the end it's it's, just, it's all just getting the work done. And directing was fun, it was great. And I say directing is almost like because seeing the film through post production that was exciting as well. And acting is always fun, but it was hard to kind of not hard but when you're acting in a scene with Nia who's fantastic and believable and beautiful and just so raw and honest and then after the scene's over you have to kind of like get behind the camera and look and say did I did I give her the right moment you know what I mean things like that so that moment was kind of difficult but yeah. luckily I had my team from Jitters Jitters when Ethan Madoff and our producer Ian where I, I started that short film so we knew how to work work with each other so we knew how to be honest with each other about notes and things like that so that's the beauty by having your same team with you because you've done it already but now it's a bigger scale. Uh, and is there one of those things that you kind of want to focus on more or yeah, are you like I, I, yeah I, I would I would like I would like to focus on directing more and writing more I I, I like producing and I want to produce also but I also know that I really enjoyed directing and being on a set directing something not have it not, and having people around you support your vision so having you know your assistant director having your UPM, having your producers all want to support you as a director. I think that I would love to have that experience at a higher level because I think it's a lot 
more stories and a lot more opportunities for me to tell something in a clear way when I have when I have less to focus on rather than directing. Uh, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. I've not directed. I've, I've kind of run a, a film, sh a photo shoot. Okay. Which, which was like hectic. But when you got the shot, like, you know what I mean? There were certain things and it'd be like, no, yo, we need to change the position of that. And, oh, let's do this. And then when you get the shot and you look at them and you're like, that's the shot, man. And then yeah, you do go. feel, there is that like, yeah. oh, that feels good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, had, I had many moments in the film like that, and those moments I charge forever. That's awesome, man. That's yeah. awesome. That's well, great. Thank you, man. Re really appreciate it. Right. Um, I know that I've only got you for a certain period of time. So are we good for a little longer or? You got like five, five I think five more minutes, right? Possibly, yeah, maybe, I think so. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's great, huh? Okay, um, okay, so, all right, for like those people that wanna, you know, do this, wanna do what you do, you know what I mean? Like break into um, film or TV or whatever. Like, so when you made Jitters and you put that team together, what was the things you were looking for in, you know, the team? Like, how did you set, because, you know, it, it's like, I've done some things, like whether it's club promotion and, you know, like just kind of design work and stuff like that. And you, you work with some people and then you realize, oh, you ain't serious. Yeah, yeah, I know. You, you know what I mean? So it's just like, I, I can't, I'll, I'll work with you. I've finished this, but... I can't work with you again, right? Yeah. How did you find those people? Like, what were the things that you looked for? Well, yeah, I was, I was fortunate enough to work with my producing partner, Ian Phillips, who, as an actor, I've, I've done a lot and directed theater, but he was more of the film type of uh, mind, you know, because we, 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 we were together on other projects, but having something where... I wrote the script. I went to Ian first, said, can you read this? What do you think? Like, yeah, it's something we should do. And then we decided to kind of put a crew together. I trusted his opinion. I know actors. I know directing. He knew crews. And he put a crew together, people who, like I said before, our DP, Ethan Madoff, who directed, who, who directed photography for Jitters and A Near Christmas Wedding, Ethan did more documentary work, rather narrative type of um, a narrative narratives. Mm. So, and you might be aware that, or maybe the audience isn't, a lot of DPs, a lot of people in general, want to break, break from the documentary world and get into the narrative world because it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy. It's like, it's like clubs. Anything's like a club in, in this kind of crazy business. But when you work in documentary, people see you as you're only a doc person because it's a different type of beast to work on narrative. So luckily for Jitters, we had the opportunity to kind of show what he could do or show what I could do. We were all doing this for our first time in a narrative type of short way. And we did it well. And that's a, that's a compliment to Ian. That's a compliment to our crew that all, all were there to kind of take it seriously because this is an opportunity for us to have something that we didn't have to like, we didn't have to beg for. We, we were unapologetically saying, we want to do this now. So we did that with Jitters. And then to have that, the same type of crew and mindset with the feature film, 
I will say that, you know, it carries over because people are realizing that as I continue to grow as an artist, I want to keep my team with me. So you may not, you may thought, maybe there's one person, I don't know, who thought when I did my short film, it's like, oh, you know, you're terrible, you're this, you're that, you think, you think you're going to make, you think you're going to make a feature film, you're not, you're, you're, you're this type of filmmaker. And then a year later, making a feature film, and those people aren't around anymore. But the people that believed and got, came on board, they came on board with me for the feature film, and I'm going to continue to grow. Because my, my, my plan and goal is to make million-dollar films, and I'll get there. And I know that for a fact. I, I believe it, and I know it, too, because of my work ethic. And I know that this is one of my first films, and I'll grow to have a lot more. Well, when you look at people like Christopher Nolan, Joss Whedon, J.J. Abrams, yeah, you work with the same people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. and, yeah, and because, yeah. It, it, like when I see someone and they're working with the same like back back of office crew, right? Yeah, and then you yeah. see certain actors that always work with them. You go, must be a decent person, man. Yeah. And not yeah. necessarily they're always happy, but it's like you know you can count on that person, right? Right, Correct. and yeah. that that speaks volumes. So I, I think that's an important thing to be able to bring those people that are ride or die with you. Yeah. And it's it, all it, relationships, it, it, right? You made yeah, a film it, it, about it, relationships, but yeah. everything is relationships. Yeah. There's a trust aspect there too, because they go into it knowing how you work, what you work on, the quality of things you're working on too. You know, again, we could be making some type of film that's a goofy film about, someone doing something silly on Christmas, but these films are more are thought provoking for the crew as the crew too. There are many times seeing Gabby and Jennifer do a scene together and the crew, some people are crying in a crew set and some people are applauding after a take. And that's because this is a story that they want to see as well. They want to see too on screen. So have have that type of energy on the set was definitely something amazing. And you know, I hope that continues to happen for the rest of my career. That's great, man. That, yeah, is, brother. that is great. So how can people follow you? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. So we have our website, Willful Productions, W-I-L-L-F-U-L Productions, P-R-O-D-U-C-T-I-O-N-S.com. We have an email subscribe list there, a contact list there. You can write to me. We have on uh, Willful Productions has our Twitter and our um, Instagram and our Facebook and I'm also on Instagram as well, so Atoj Abbott, but it goes by O Abbott, O H A B I T, O Abbott. So Twitter, Instagram, social, I'm around. Or you, or I always say it's like it's like the bat signal. You throw up the New York Christmas wedding hashtag, and I'll appear. Trust me. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> uh, funny, man. Like, like, we're, yeah, we'll definitely put all your information in the. Um, episode so yeah people will be able to track you down and um go see that film yeah and um do you have a timeline for when you you're hoping the next thing's gonna drop well that's the whole thing i I think because of covid right now in the pandemic we we are aware of the stop and go of productions we are aware of what could happen in the next year or a couple months but I, i do hope come the spring I'll be able to be in pre-production for something else. You know, we're going to market now. People are people are now taking the next few weeks to kind of realize, oh, that person who made that short film Jitters, oh, he made a feature film, it's on Netflix. So they're starting to realize that. So I'm hoping with that, I'm able to kind of get an, an agent representation to then really help 
bring Wolfram Productions and myself more to the forefront in these conversations because I think we have stories to tell and we have things to say, and I think we just need more opportunities. So I hopefully next couple of months, I'll get those type of opportunities to come my way. Mm. I, that will be big. And, and look, yeah. I, you see it happening, right? Because- yeah, 100%, 100%, I see it happening. I mean, I, I saw this film happening from, like I said, when I wrote a feature film years ago, but that, that, that didn't happen, but I made something else and then this came about, but I still had a feature film I want to do. So again, there's opportunities that come and I say yes to things. And I think more importantly, people are knowing that, yeah, I can have a confidence, but I'm also able to kind of create something and put it out there and say, hey, you didn't help me, but here it is. And now I think people want to be able to be helpful because they want to stick by and keep on growing. Mm. Yeah, no, for real, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yo, this, this is, uh, yeah, this is great. I appreciate it. Actually, before we go, before we go, Ads, there's something that I that did stick with me after seeing the film, right? So yeah. at the, well, there's two things. Firstly, the narration at the beginning, right? Because Azrael narrates the yep. film at the beginning. Yep. Which, yeah. Yeah, you know, like after it been, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, what does that mean? But then there's the bit where it's just like you can go to a period, right? Yeah. Did you did you play with how far that period would be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. At first, yeah, I know. I know you're talking about. At first, we thought. The idea was to have Jennifer see David, and then when she sees, she sees David, goes to the church and finds out about Gabby. And then after that, she says, you know, I love her. He, David's very accepting. And then they go drive off, and then she says, you know, hey, David, I had a crazy dream last night. He's like, oh, what was it about? And then we fade out. Because I thought in the real world, what people think about, in the reality, she can't really kind of play with time zones or periods and things like that. So let's, let's make it realistic. Mm. And the producer said, luckily they're like, you know, you have to have more of a happy ending. You, I, know, I know you want to be in this independent real <laughs> world, but you have to have a happy ending. I'm like, yeah, but it's not real, but it's like, no, you have to have a happy ending. So I talked to people and thought different things. And then the idea you have an angel character already in Christmas, there could be Christmas magic in there. So it would work. And to have Azriel be like a spiritual person. And, you know, you, you, you think about spirits, you think about, um, people overlooking things. So you think about being up in the heavens and being above the clouds and hearing words and speaking about storytelling. You know, like like the, the VO starts off with him saying, this is my favorite story and it happens in Queens. You know, to hear that, if you pay attention, it's like, you're going to see a real queen story, love story from someone you don't know who is who. So I think that was a cool thing too. Mm. And, and there's a little Capone Noriega thrown in. Uh, <laughs> 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 nice awesome man that, that, that is great thank you for uh yeah taking the time answering i appreciate the, it um, man. i appreciate it like, like i said I, I i heard you speak about the film and i'm like i have no problem talking to people about the film because no matter how they feel because it's a conversation i want to have as an actor if i'm in, if i'm acting in a scene and people are like oh wow that was so great what was your intention and i, I get it it's great you don't really talk about that as actors but as a filmmaker I could talk about this all day, see your experience, see this, see that. So I'm happy that you took the time and we're able to kind of discuss this film because there's people out there who might find it interesting and people out there who might say, these guys are nerds. So it's all good. 
<laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. Well, yo, I hope that um, yeah, all all the work on the next stuff goes well. I'm appreciate that. Hearing like the EP when that yeah. drops. Oh yeah, I'll definitely let you know. Yeah, let eight people know. Yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great. Because yeah. um, yeah, because yeah, the the end song is real good. So Thank you know. You, I think that would be great. So, um, yeah, when you have something new, come by. Let, let's talk All about right. it, man. You got it, brother. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you Bye. very much. All right. Cheers. Cool. All right. Bye. Okay, people, so we are reaching the end of another episode. Um, but before we go, here is some, uh, yeah, film news. All right, so if you are a fan of Sing, you'll be pleased to know that a sequel is in the works. Now, new members to the cast are um, Bono, Hazley, Farrell Williams, Bobby Carnaval, Leticia Wright, Eric Andre, and Chelsea Peretti. Um, and, you know, the uh, old cast are still coming back. So we've got Matthew McConaughey, Reese Witherspoon, Scarlett Johansson, Taron Egerton, Tori Kelly, and Nick Kroll. So supposedly this new film, um, it looks at Koala, um, Buster Moon and his all-star cast of animal performers as they prepare to launch their most dazzling stage extravaganza yet at the Crystal Tower Theatre in glamorous Redshaw City. There's just one hitch. They first have to persuade the world's most reclusive rock star, lion rock legend Clay Calloway, to join them. Uh, so it's being written and directed by Gareth Jennings and combines dozens of classic rock and pop hit songs and it will open in the holiday period next year. So there is that. Um, now, I have to say, right, it's, it's a weird one. Because they did the same with Tenant, but uh, they're saying that Wonder Woman 1984 has opened disappointingly, right? So they're saying it made 18.8 million dollars in China and 38.5 million in other territories, and I'm a bit like, understand people. Right, we're in the middle of uh, a weird situation. Like everyone's given just conflicting information. Not everyone wants to go to the cinema, right? It's as simple as that. So any money that you do make, that's not a flop. That's very good, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Launch an, something in a pandemic uh, you, you're lucky to get anything, right? So making 18.8 and 38.5, that's good amounts of money, you know? 
Uh, so it hits um, in America um, tomorrow, right? I believe Christmas Day, you know, uh, where it goes to cinema and HBO Max because, like everywhere else, cinemas in America, they're not all open, you know? But um, yeah, I kind of feel that you can't judge. You know what I mean? The um, the take from a film as if it was a normal year, right? So people need to stop saying that, oh, this was disappointing. Because it's not. Use your brains, people. Hey. Oh, dear. Anyway. Um, yeah. It looks like um, they're making a, a sequel to uh, The Exorcist Which does confuse me Because I thought they'd already had <laughs> I mean, listen I haven't watched any of those films Because Yeah, I don't know, man um, I don't want to <laughs> Like, they Everyone just says they're mad scary And I'm just a bit like eh, I, I could do without doing that shit But, um Listen, what they're, what they're doing is they're uh, getting David Gordon Green to uh, put this new iteration together because of the success he had with Halloween. So, um, yeah, it's going to be coming via Bloomhouse and Morgan Creek, you know, um, like no word on how it's getting done. You know, if they're going to do it exactly kind of like they did Halloween. But, uh, yeah, it's in the works, you know. So, uh, fans of um, the franchise, hey, there you go, you know. Um, Jonathan Rhys Mears and John Malkovich, their names have been popping up a lot of late. And, uh, yeah, they're in a film together called The Survivalist. Right, um, so it is being directed by John Keyes. <sighs> it is a pandemic thriller, which is kind of like, ugh, do we need that? But the gist is this, right? It's set 18 months after the fall of civilization from a virus outbreak. A former FBI agent, played by Myers, is forced to protect an immune young woman from a dangerous gang hunting her, led by a psychopath who believes he's going to use her to save the world. And of course, the psychopath is Malkovich. <laughs> so, um, yeah, this is getting um, written by Matthew Rogers. Um, also, uh, Warner Brothers have um, said that the 17th of February next year is when they will be releasing Judas and the Black Messiah, which, um, yeah, was meant to come out this August, but, you know. Because of lockdowns and the like, it's been pushed back. But as it's coming out next year, that does mean it will be, um, you know, what part of the HBO Max plans. So it will be released in cinemas and online on the same day. Um, now, you know, there's... Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a stuff happening with HBO, 
right? So, um, and Warner Brothers. Well, firstly, Warner have, um, you know, announced three films from their 2023 slate. So that is Mad Max Fury Road, you know, the prequel film, uh, Furosia, Furosia, Eh, I think so, which is directed by George Miller, right, so that's coming on the 23rd of June, so um, then we've got Coyote v Acne on the 21st of July, that's from Dave Green And on the 20th of December Is um, the musical feature The Colour Purple So um, yeah And none of these films will be Doing the day on day release With HBO Max They are strictly cinema Now because of all the, the you know, the, the, the pushback from the HBO releasing schedule, you know, and I feel um, the threat of lawsuits, word is that Denny's Villeneuve's June might skip HBO, you know, be strictly cinema only. Yeah. Right, so, um, yeah, there's a a, a quote that reads, Rumours have the solution to the breach being to preserve June as a traditional theoretical, um, to preserve its franchise potential. And since its October 1st release date falls well after the estimated late spring date when COVID vaccines should achieve herd immunity. Hmm. I don't believe that herd immunity comes into it at all. <laughs> because, yeah, I think that is kind of bullshit. But anyway, now... Also, the other film from Biz, you know, legendary finance Dune, and it also financed Godzilla v Kong, right? So, I think word is Kong is still down to go on HBO Max, but I think they're saying Warner's is um, they're they're probably gonna pay. Legendary uh, fat chunk of change Like Netflix were going to You know To try and appease them I, I don't know We'll have to wait and see if it does appease them You know Who knows It's all a bit of a mess It's all crazy But that's the situation people Anyway That's us We are done And um Hey people I just wanted to say Happy Christmas, right? I hope you enjoy your day, watch a load of films. I think definitely, people, definitely go and, um, yeah, go and check out Otoja's um, film. It's on Netflix, and it is um, it's very good. You know what I mean? It's, it's a great film. I very much enjoyed it, right? So, um, yeah. Go check that out, you know Have fun, do your thing And yeah, thank you Atoja 
really appreciate your time. It was a very good speaking to you, you know. I yeah, I really did in um yeah, I really did enjoy, you know, a New York Christmas wedding. It, it's yeah, it's nice. It's real nice. You know, like I thought it was going one way and it completely surprised me. So um yeah. Appreciate your time and your film. And people, that is us. We will be back next Thursday. So until then, peace.